Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuckers Bryant. And that makes this a very um, congested episode of Stuff You Should Know, right? Yeah. We were just reminiscing about the, uh, what was it, eight or nine? I don't remember. Probably oh nine, when Josh was sick for like, (laughs) I said he was sick for a season, and that's really not too far off. Yeah. But Yumi recently pointed out that I wasn't sick at all last year, and I don't think I've ever not been sick for a year. So it has to do probably with taking better care of myself, not smoking. Probably. I get the stomach thing. I don't usually get regular sick. Yeah, you do get stomach things. It's like when once, you do, it's once like, a year, man. It's, it's not awful. even like a bug. It's like a staph of infection or <laughs> Ebola of the stomach or something horrible like that. Yes, it is yeah. gross. So uh, I, are you willing to muddle through this one with me sounding like this? I think people can forgive that. We needed to get this one out <clears throat> in time for yeah. the September 11th anniversary. Yeah, the 10th anniversary of the September 11th attacks um, on the World Trade Center. Uh, the attack, uh, well, the plane that went down, Flight 93 in yeah. Pennsylvania. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the attack on the Pentagon. Yeah. Um, the 10th anniversary is going to be a big, sad, sullen occasion. Yeah. You know, it seems like the last couple of years, it, it's been, you know, uh, it's September 11th, and this this is a time to stop and reflect for a moment. But it, I think it's all going to come barreling back. On the tenth anniversary, yeah, I think people have been anticipating that, <clears throat> and the opening of the of the memorial, which we're going to talk about, has a lot to do with that. Obviously, it does. It's uh, going to officially be dedicated and opened on September eleventh, two thousand eleven. Pretty good timing. Uh, yeah, and then um, the museum, which we'll also talk about, will be open the following year. I think on September eleventh, two thousand twelve. Man, that thing sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I'm very excited about going to these. Me too. Um, Maybe excited is not the right word. No, I'm excited I'm, about I'm going. looking forward to it. Yeah, there's nothing. It doesn't mean you're flippant about it. No. I'm uh, excited to see them as well. Yeah. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> good. <laughs> Thanks. I get excited every time I go to those things. Yeah. It's a good place for remembrance, Josh. Yes, that's memorials <laughs> make an excellent spot for remembrance. Yes. Let's talk about the spot where the memorial, the World Trade Center Memorial, which, what we're, which is what we're talking about, is going to be situated. The original spot where the World Trade Center complex was situated. Yes. Uh, beginning uh, work started in the 60s and was completed in, I think, 1973 on the towers. I yes. think work for the whole World Trade Center complex wasn't completed until 1990. Yeah, 14 years. 14 years after the towers yeah, were, were completed. completed. So it was like 19, 1987? Yeah, something, yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Um, but... Tell me about the tell me about the spot, the World Trade Center spot. It was a very um, ambitious project. It was, Josh. Uh, seven buildings total, um, spanning sixteen acres. It's a lot of room, and each tower itself, I think, had a footprint of a, an acre. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, they had office space uh, to the tune of about uh, fifty thousand total workers, and about thirty-five thousand of those were uh, split among four hundred and thirty companies. Yep. In the buildings. It was 10 million square feet of office space. That's a, that's incredible. It was. It was originally, um, speaking of ambition, I read an article called The Height of Ambition. It was a 2002 New York Times article. And it's 
a required reading for anybody. It's yeah. really good. It's all about the construction. Cool. It's about the attacks. It's, it's a really w- comprehensive, great article. I'll have to check that but out. But they were saying, like, there, there was no way they were going to go um, any less than 10 million square feet. When they the decided to, they're like, that's it. We're doing 10 million. Wow. And that's so, that's such an enormous amount of office space. Yeah. That, other real estate developers in the city were like, that's going to like imbalance the market. Yeah. It's so much. It's going to flood this place all at once. Yeah. I remember at the time, uh, you know, on September 11th, thinking that the death hole was going to be like yeah. 10, 20, 30,000 people because well, I knew how many people work there. Right. And it would have been yeah. had it, had the buildings not stayed up for um, an hour or so. Right. Or had it been an hour or so later. Right. <clears throat> Once people were all in there, yeah, because you said there's uh, about fifty thousand people that worked at the World Trade Centers, um, and then there's a, another maybe um, seventy thousand, forty thousand to seventy thousand people uh, who commuted through because there was a subway station underneath, yeah, there was and a the mall. path train station, yeah, and a mall, and people coming to have lunch with like their husband or wife or whatever. So seventy thousand additional people pass through that that complex every day. Indeed, Josh. Uh, if we're talking size, we've got a couple of stats. The North Tower, um, the original World Trade Center 1, mm-hmm. although there's a new one, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, 1,368 feet, uh, and then 1,730 feet with its large antenna. And then the South Tower was about six feet shorter than the North Tower, which I thought found interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that was a... I wonder why they did that. Uh, maybe the bedrock was six feet six feet lower uh, or yeah. something. It has maybe. to be something like that. I don't yeah. think it was. I'm sure they got to the final measurement and were like, you have to be kidding me. Right. Because they were both 110 stories. It's not like yeah. WCTC2 was shortchanged a floor. Right. Or a half floor. Yeah. 288,100 metric tons. Yeah. and Each, it's, each one of them. It's tough to find comparisons for this, but... Um, a Ford Explorer, these, each one weighed about uh, equivalent to 172,000 Ford Explorers. That's heavy. That's Yeah, that's a heavy building. And that's a lot of weight, and we'll, we'll get to that weight and what happened to a lot of that weight coming up shortly, too, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so one of the cool things that you found was uh, originally when they planned the towers, they didn't know what kind of sway that a person could take, let's say if you're working on story mm-hmm. 90, mm-hmm. like this tower is swaying back and forth in the wind, what kind, what that would do to people. Yeah. No one had ever, these were when they were built the tallest structures in the world. You can't just have office space up there that people are getting sick on because they're dizzy. Right. Because no one would rent it out. But they didn't know that, um, they didn't know, well, maybe somebody could take six feet of sway on either side. Right. They had no idea. Maybe people can take like almost no sway. So they, they had a guy in Eugene, Oregon, who was a, a psychologist, basically purchased an office building, put parts of it up on jacks and like test people. He had them come in for eye exams, right? but was really testing them to, <clears throat> to see how much sway they could put up with and found not much, like a couple of inches either way. Yeah. After a couple of minutes of that, the people start freaking out, get dizzy, get nauseated. So they were like, you have to do something because your building's going to sway a lot more than this. That's right. And you can't have your tenants getting sick. So they uh, built in shock absorbers that prevented the sway. So I think most people know by now just from breakdown of the what happened with the collapse that it was an exoskeleton design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and it was connected with a, a core, steel core, connected it with a hat truss at the top. Yeah, so you had columns going out on the outside where they normally would have been put inside, yeah. so that opened up much more office space. So the columns were on the outside, and there's a steel core in the center, like you said, and it was connected by a hat truss that just fit over the top yeah. and connected everything to the center. So it just stabilized the whole thing. That's right. And it, it made it light and, but very strong. Right. I think it was about 95% open air inside the building itself. Yeah. Which has a lot to do with why it collapsed. Yep. Um, there was a police station, Port Authority in New Jersey. Uh, uh, New York and New Jersey had a police desk. Yep. They had its own. Uh, they had their own zip code and eight dedicated mail carriers. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I'm sure it's still there. It has to be. The zip, it still has its own zip code, right? 10048? Yeah, I, I looked that up, actually. I think they held on to that zip code and s- to assign, you know, the new uh, World Trade Center complex that same zip code, if I'm not mistaken. I would hope so. This is a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, eight postal carriers just for the WTC complex. Wow. Like, they worked within, you know, I guess it was 16 acres, but it's probably not as big as your usual beat in New York, I would say. No, I wouldn't think so. Or route. No, I think they call it beats. That's just cops, though, isn't it? No? Cops and, pit- and mail carriers. And mail carriers, okay. Um, Chuck, also these, um, just to give another idea of scale, uh-huh. um, there were each of the towers themselves, just the towers, had 99 elevators each. Uh, each one had um, almost, uh, well, uh, yeah, almost 22,000 windows. And apparently, you could have built a sidewalk, a standard sidewalk, I take it, from New York to Washington, D.C., with just the concrete used in just the towers. Wow. So these were massive, colossal structures. Just the towers. The whole complex itself yeah. was colossal. Yeah, yeah. But the tower, just the towers are uh, enough to like get the, the point across, you know? Well, and all you ever really hear about still is usually the WTC 1 and 2. Yeah. But all of the buildings were eventually raised, the whole complex. Right. Right, and um, we should also say that you know everybody kind of came on board, but in the beginning there were very big detractors to the World Trade Center projects, including those real estate developers who were like, "This is going to be a drain on the market." And one of the guys was named Lawrence Ween, who was an Empire State Building co-owner, right? And he took out a full-page ad in the New York Times that had a picture of one of the World Trade Center towers with a plane flying into it to basically suggest that this was a hazard to air traffic, right? Right. And it, it actually almost came true in 1981 when an Aerolinas flight just narrowly missed the North Tower, but made off, okay, it was safe. That's right. Yeah. Uh, in 1993, however, uh, there was the first attack on the World Trade Center. Uh, an Islamic uh, Islamist extremist group detonated about 1,000 pounds of explosives in a, in a rented truck Underneath the World Trade Center and killed six people, yeah. injured thousands, and they are included, which I thought was a classy move, in the World Trade Center Memorial years yeah. later. Yeah, I never really considered that, but I thought it was a pretty nice thing to do. That that um, truck left half a football sized football field sized crater, and it apparently rocked the whole building. Like you think, well, six people died; it couldn't have been that big. It was a huge blast. Oh yeah, it was just in the wrong place. Right. But they were trying to take the building down, you know? Yeah, from below. So that, um, within a few days or weeks after, um, the February 1993 attack, things were back to business as usual. Uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo was the first to move back into the office 
building, right? And things were just, like I said, business as usual until uh, the morning of September 11th, 2001 came. Yes, Peter, it's Don Dealer down here. I'm four blocks north of the World Trade Center. The second building that was hit by the plane has just completely collapsed. The entire building has just collapsed as if a demolition team set off. When you see the old demolitions of these old buildings, it folded down on itself and it is not there anymore. That should be it. It has completely collapsed. The whole side has collapsed? The whole building has collapsed. So that pretty much speaks for itself, I yeah. think. Yeah. Where were you that morning? I had just gotten back from New York, actually. Yeah. I was there for a vacation and a Radiohead concert and um, in New Jersey. Or actually, it was uh, Liberty State Park. And flew home on September like the 7th or something. Well, So I was in it. Actually, I was living in L.A., but I flew back to Atlanta and then got stuck in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, I bet you got stuck, didn't you? Because everything was grounded. So Mm -hmm. I was in my friend uh, Big John's warehouse, and big country boy, and he woke me up. Dude, get up here. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, too. It was was like one of the towers has been hit, and you just, right when I started watching CNN and figuring out what was going on, I was like, this is not an accident. Yeah, I think both of us kind of came to that conclusion pretty quick, too. Yeah. So I I hung out in his warehouse all day, and we watched it on TV, basically, and, you know, mourned. Yeah. And I have to say, like, it didn't sink in as hard um, then as it did when we were researching this for this podcast, man. Yeah. I was watching, just finding that clip we just played. I watched... Uh, about like an hour of you yeah, know, as too. it happened coverage, and it was just re- it really drew me in and just depressed yeah. me like crazy. But yeah, like it, it got through to me finally after ten years. Like it's it really hit me how subs- how huge this is. Yeah, I, I, I plowed through a bunch of video this week too and last week, and it was uh, you know because I I hadn't researched it for a long time. Yeah. After probably since like 2003. Right. So there have been many years of not even really considering it much. And then all of a sudden it's all back on. Right. And coming up this September. And I think this being older too, especially for me being an older, you know, 10 years older. Yeah. It's, it's gotten through to me a lot more. Like, Yeah. God, how old are you? You were in your early 20s, mid 20s? I was like 25. God, that's crazy. Yeah. Just I was, a pup. Yeah, 24, 25, something like that. Yeah. A long time ago. Just a little kid. So, Chuck, we mentioned um, how there could have been f- tens of thousands more people who could have died yeah. had the buildings not stayed up. And mm-hmm. There were a couple of big questions uh, after the collapse of the World Trade Center towers. Um, number one, why did they fall? They didn't have to fall. Um, and number two, why didn't they just fall over immediately? And the answer to the second question is the design. Yeah. That exoskeleton connected to a central steel core by a hat truss mm-hmm. could have kept that thing up indefinitely. The reason they fell was a fatal flaw, right? Those steel columns that make up the exoskeleton yeah. tapered um, to at the top because they had to support less weight, making the whole structure lighter, requiring less steel, right? So the the planes when they flew into the higher floors they were flying into steel columns that were only as thin as like a quarter inch across right so they just severed them yeah the problem is was the the true fatal flaw was the heat from the fire though yeah i read a big article yesterday on this about this physicist um 
basically explain how they came down to sort of rebut the idiots who say that it was a controlled demolition by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. And, like, steel can't get that hot and melt and blah, blah, blah. And he explained the difference between heat and temperature. And I wish I was smart enough to relay that now. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would just advise just Google, like, why did they collapse? And there's a really good article on that. I right. It, so it's one of the first hits. For our purposes, we're going to take it on face value that the, the heat from the raging fires um, created uh, a, enough, a high enough temperature that the steel, the thin enough steel melted, and the weight distribution throughout the exoskeleton was even further compromised Yeah. until these things started going from the, what the connection to the hat truss was snapped. Yeah. And then that was that. There was no support any longer. So these floors obviously could support the weight of the floors on top of them because they had been up since 1973. Right. They can support the static weight. When the floors start collapsing on one another, uh-huh. it becomes moving heavier weight, and it's created a domino effect, essentially. Right. It just plowed right into the floors beneath and picked up more and more yeah. steam as it went. Apparently, the material from the highest floors... By the time they reached the ground, we're traveling about 120 miles an hour. Yeah. And that could have been even faster, according to that physicist. And he said it, the fact that they fell straight down was uh, sensible and fortunate because they could have swayed and toppled over, which, yeah. you know, 110 stories falling to the left or to the right is going to take out, do a lot more damage, obviously. Well, the South Tower did do some damage. The North Tower came down almost completely in its footprint and... It just compacted itself into this dense acre-sized square of debris that went from street level 70 feet underground to the bedrock and just filled its own footprint almost completely. Um, the the other towers, um, three and seven, were completely trashed. Um, tower six was still intact, but it had a huge chunk of the north tower against it. Right. Um, and Wasn't that the one they had to take out for those reasons? Yeah. Like, otherwise it might have been okay? That one they actually did demolish. Right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so, the yeah, the whole site kind of just became a loss. Um, there, uh, I guess, an estimated 300,000 tons of scrap metal were generated. Mm-hmm. Most of it sold to India and China. Yeah. Um, and there was a big hubbub. I didn't know this. Did you Did you hear about this when it happened? Yeah. Um, the mafia diverted like 255 tons of scrap metal to its own junkyards for profit. Yeah. Um, and got caught pretty quickly because the FBI was on that case. But, um, they, uh, after that, they, there were, I think, 100,000 truckloads of debris trucked out to, um, uh, the landfill in New Jersey, I believe. It's called Fresh Kill Landfill. Um, and, uh, those all got police escorts after the FBI found out the mafia was diverting scrap metal. Right, obviously. Yeah. That's a good move. Uh, the cleanup was very quick. I remember at the time thinking that it happened way quicker than I thought it would. Well, yeah, they were, they were like, this is going to take a year, maybe two, maybe yeah, three. Exactly. Uh, and it took like a year and nine months. Yes. Uh, it also came in under budget. Uh, they thought it was going to cost a couple of billion dollars. And that was clearly overinflated because it only cost $650 million, mm-hmm. uh, to clean up, which is a lot of money, but nothing compared to two bill. No. A lot less. Yeah. Um, they did get a little criticism because they thought they kind of 
hurried the cleanup a little too much, uh, considering the potential toxic materials found at the site. Yeah. A lot of people thought, you know, maybe we should take our time here, study this a little more, uh, see what's what we have to deal with before we start sending people down there. Well, one group called it the most the worst toxic site in our history. Yeah, do you mean nation's history? I don't know. It's a York. good question. Yeah. It could be nation, New York, world. I don't know. There is a lot of toxic stuff. Um, for example, 200,000 pounds of lead yeah. plus cadmium from the 50,000 PCs in the World Trade Center offices. Yeah. Right? Um, mercury from the fluorescent lights. There are apparently about half a million fluorescent tube lights that all have mercury in them to yeah. work. Um, have you heard of polycystic aromatic hydrocarbons? I have not. They're apparently, um, they cause laryngeal cancer, um, and a couple of other cancers, and they come from partially burned, um, fossil fuels. Wow. What else, Chuck? Uh, asbestos, lots of asbestos, uh, benzene, um, dioxin from oil and fuel. So not the kind of stuff you want to be breathing in. And, Mm -hmm. and people found, you know, years afterward, we're getting sick. A lot of the first responders getting sick and dying even. Yeah, the bass player from um, TV on the radio was a first responder, and he came down with cancer and oh, yeah. like in his late thirties or something and died. That's right. In, within the last year, I didn't. Did I know that he was a first responder? As as what? What was his? Uh, what kind of responder was he? Do you know? I don't remember, but he was he was a first responder huh. to the to Ground Zero. Wow. Yeah. So they've uh, there was a. Uh, combined payout of $625 million to some of the first responders and cleanup workers after a lawsuit was filed. And that was just, that was, they came to that settlement within the last like year or two, right? Yeah. They've been hammering that out forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there was the uh, Zadroga bill, which is massive, $7.4 billion in compensation for everything from like economic impact to health. But there's a big, um, well, there's a big outcry because they didn't include cancer. Yeah, they couldn't find a definite link. Um, I mean, this is one of those where I say, throw it in there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> cover everything. Right. Apparently, yeah. that's not the case, though. Well, no, but it's left open so that it can be amended to include cancer later. Oh, really? Like, if somebody's like, here's your definitive right study on it that shows the link. But apparently, the link is enough for people who are engaged in like personal litigation. Uh, they've been generally successful in so just suing not, New York. Okay, just not a class action kind of thing. Well, just not the Zadroga bill. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, no one died during the cleanup of the Ground Zero, which is pretty amazing, considering what a dangerous place it was. You know, there were like huge voids that were covered up. You know, by things that uh, you know, big gaps and holes that you could easily fall into. Yeah, like, you know those tiger traps? Yeah. Where it's just kind of covered with a little bit of twigs or leaves? Yeah. There were, like, 70-foot drops that looked like they were... Stable. Solid rubble or whatever, but, yeah, there's a picture of a huge earth mover, like, sliding down Yeah. Um, with a guy in it, like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm really surprised no one died during that cleanup. Yeah. 60 men died building the thing. Wow, that was the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So that brings us, Josh, to 10 years later. Yep. The 9-11 Memorial and Museum, which we both said we're excited to go see because it's a pretty amazing design. 
to me, they hit all the right notes. And a lot of people have complained about, uh, the actual building, the new World Trade Center one, uh, has been beaten up pretty badly in the press. A lot of people think they should have just mimicked the original Twin Towers, mm-hmm. except maybe a little higher as like a show of our strength as Americans. Right, with the giant bird on the top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With Donald Trump on top, flicking <laughs> the bird. But uh, Trump was one of the ones, actually, who who hates the new uh, WTC-1. And it is... Uh, well, originally it was called the Freedom Tower, yeah. which could not smack of the Bush era more. Yeah, they changed that. That or um, World War II when we started calling French fries Freedom Fries. Right. Was that World War II? Yeah. And that came about again after this? Or yeah, something? yeah. And then also um, sauerkraut was called Liberty Cabbage. That's just crazy jingoistic, you know? Wow, yeah. Uh, so, like I said, Trump is, is not a big fan of the design he, he or the architect who designed WTC1, the new one. What's his name? Daniel, um, oh, Daniel Liebskind. Is that him? He's been much battered. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for the guy, you know? He's trying to, trying to do a good job, I'm sure. Yeah. It is going to be the tallest building in the U.S. after it's completed at a symbolic height of 776 feet. 1700. 1700, so yeah. 1776, obviously. Right. For the, you know, USA. All the way. How do you mean? 1776. (laughs) It's a very important date in our history. And uh, all the buildings are going to be done between 2012 and 2016. And WTC1 is right now at the 80th floor, which is, they're, they're close to done. How many floors is it going to be, did you say? Um, I think, well, part of what people are complaining about is the top third of this building is mm-hmm. just hollow space. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people complained about that. So I don't know how many actual floors. They may be pretty close then, huh. if they're at the 80th floor now. Yeah. And uh, I think they've concreted up to the 72nd floor, glassed it up to the 53rd. So it's and coming then, along. And then seven World Trade Center was um opened in 2006. So that's already there. Oh, really? Yeah. But the one that's that's being dedicated um well in a few days by the time this thing comes out is the World Trade Center Memorial, right? Yes. There've been a couple of other memorials like the Sphere, which was a Fritz Koenig um sculpture that was just iconically associated with um the World Trade Center was found in the rubble. Yeah. It basically dusted off and put in Battery Park with an eternal flame. Yes. And then there was Tribute and Lights, which are the two beams. Anybody who's ever seen Spike Lee's 25th Hour yeah. is familiar with those. Um, and those are brought out every year. That's really cool looking. It is. Very cool. It's like um, 44. Each tower is made up of 44 yeah. um, xenon searchlights focused into a single column yeah. that just shoots right up into space. I wonder if they're going to do that still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder too. I, they should do that every year. I agree. Just for that one day, you know? Yeah. I think it'd be cool. But they, you know, to get a more permanent exhibit, um, a design competition was held in 2003 by the Lower Manhattan Development Corporation, right? Yes. And, uh, it was international. So people from all over the world submitted designs, like a ton of them. Yeah, 63 countries in total, 5,201 submissions. Mm-hmm. And the guy who won for the memorial went to tech. That's right. Georgia Tech. That's right. Yeah. And he was working as a uh, New York City Housing Authority architect uh, until he won. 
and then I imagine he's making a little bit more money now at uh, yeah. Handel Architects mm-hmm. as a partner. Yeah, his name's Michael Arid. That's how to get a job, a partnership, pretty quick in an ar- as an architect, I think. Well, that's how to make your career. Look at, like, Maya Lin, yeah. who did the Vietnam Memorial, was the first thing she ever did as a student oh, really? at Yale, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, have you ever seen the documentary on her? Uh-uh. Very neat. How'd she come up with the idea? She talks all about it. Like, the first third of the documentary is about that and, like, what she went through. Right. Um, like, there's a big problem that she was Asian, you know. Um, sure. That kind of thing. Um, but... I don't remember. I don't remember if it just came to her or what, but she talks about it. I mean, that was perfect in its simplicity. Totally. is perfect. Yeah. But it was very much taken the wrong way, as I think there's always a group of people who take a memorial the wrong way. Although, and I think Michael Aird's been criticized, but I don't think anybody's like, this is a, a smack in the face to the people who died. And Yeah, I think it sounds pretty amazing. Tell them about it. Well, the centerpiece, it's going to... um. The memorial itself, there's a museum underneath, underground, which we'll get to, but the memorial plaza is uh, about eight acres of what will be forest land mm-hmm. um, with the two original footprints of the World Trade Center towers are now uh, intact as fountains, waterfalls. Yeah, the world's largest waterfalls. 52,000 gallons of water, I think, per minute Yeah, flow through these things. And they're these huge, massive, almost... Acre-sized squares, like you said, that are just fill in the footprints yeah. of the of the World Trade Centers, um, and they're just amazing looking. They're, they're, uh, we can't really describe them any better than that because they're that simple. But unless you see a rendering of them, or yeah. there's some really cool architectural animations of them too, uh-huh. um, they're just they just take your breath away. Yeah, and they're, the the memorial um, that Arid designed is called Reflecting Absence, um, and the the whole point is to just kind of show. We're missing something here. Yeah. And we're always going to be missing something here. Yeah, that's why I thought it was such a brilliant design. It was not some, I don't know, it just made sense. You know, why build something up when you can say so much more yeah. by creating these two big voids? And then the water flowing, it's all very symbolic, you know, the recirculating water and yeah. uh, living, you know, breathing life into the city and the trees or like sweet gums and uh, oaks, white oaks. Yeah, swamp white oaks are. There's going to be like 400 of them on the plaza. Yeah, and the plaza was designed by um, Peter Walker and partners from Berkeley, um, in conjunction with Michael Arad. I think that was the submission where these two people jointly coming up with this plan. And he was like, "I am the landscape architect. Right. I need some help. Yeah, uh, or vice versa. You know. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but Peter Walker came up with this idea to use suspended paving systems to uh-huh. support the white oaks because um, an urban an urban tree or a tree in an urban forest like this, they don't live that long. Right. Um, but, and the reason why is because the soil becomes too compacted. You have to have paving for people to walk around on. Right. So what they came up with was a suspended paving system, which uses like columns and beams, like right, a grid, to create this hollow space that will support pavement, but will also allow roots to go through. Yeah. So these trees, these swamp white oaks, should thrive and live like many, many decades Longer than ones that, you know, are just planted wherever along the street. That's right. And they could potentially get up to about 60 feet tall, kind of creating a, a canopied park. So that was one of the things they wanted was was a quiet place, sort of a retreat from the city where you feel like you're sort of insulated from, from the rest of the city. Yeah. And the noises of the city. And the Swamp White Oaks also, Chuck, are going to be brought in um, from all over the, the area of New York, but also from places around... Um, 
where 90, Flight 93 went down in Pennsylvania yeah. and uh, in the D.C. area. So yeah. you're going to have trees from other 9-11 impacted areas brought. Yeah, in. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I read an article on the um, the family who's um, supplied the trees, basically, for the project. Really? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, and then also around the Reflecting Absence Memorial, they're going to have um, basically a bronze wall with the names of all nearly 3,000 victims of the 1993 and 2001 attacks on the yes. World Trade Center um, cut into them. Yeah, so you can do the little uh, uh, charcoal rubbings on paper if you want. They mm-hmm. shine light through them at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're grouped together by uh, either where they died or where they worked, or if there was a special request to group people like uh, with friends of theirs that worked in the building, that they've done that too. That's cool. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then probably the most noticeable feature within this little urban forest um, is going to be a glass building that's that forms the atrium or the entryway to the Memorial Museum. That's right. Uh, and the most noticeable feature of that are going to be these two steel tridents, which um, made up the, the yeah they made up the the uh, the exterior that that exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. Um, the the apparently went up. And then at this at the seventy feet mark, the seventh story, uh, they split into three, and then they supported steel beams that went all the way up to the top of the building. Right, so those things were left standing, I think, on the north tower. Um, so they took those off to Kennedy with a bunch of other artifacts and kept them in a hangar. And now they've been returned to the site, and they built the atrium around these two things. Yeah, they used a lot of uh, of pieces of the World Trade Center in the museum itself. Yeah. To partially just, you know, remind people and then also to show, again, show scale of, you know, I think the tridents themselves are close to 100 feet tall. Yeah, nine, I think 90. Yeah. Because they, they branch at the 70-foot mark and they go up to, like, the 90-foot feet mark. So, um, And then also, Chuck, the the museum itself is largely underground. Yeah. Um, and they're in the footprints of the World Trade Center towers and parts around them. But basically, the whole thing's set up to give you an underground view of how incredibly massive these buildings were. Yeah. By leaving, like, the concrete footings, any steel supports that they can um, intact. Yeah. And then just, all, and I guess, playing off the vastness of the space. Yeah, that had to do with the museum and the, the design up top, too, was... I think you can in the museum down below. You can stand in between the two footprints still. Yeah, and uh, they've created a lot of just open space. It seems like right. But then there's also like at the at the corners of the footprints, there's maybe like some. I think there's an aluminum clad volumes is what right. they're called to basically give this kind of ghost outline of the building. So to to give you an even better idea of their scale, um, and all this is underground. Like we said, the the plaza actually above serves as a green roof to the museum. Yeah. Um, and you go through the atrium, and then you, to to get to the museum itself underground, you go through, um, you go down a ramp, um, and that's very symbolic of the ramp that was used to clean out the Ground Zero site. Right, it was used during construction of the original towers. Um, so it's it's kind of like throwing you back in time and during the construction and the cleanup, um, which you know really marks the the history of this site. Those two things. Yeah, there's a couple of other notable. Uh, aspects to the museum that they're going to have are the survivor stairs, uh, which, uh, if you Google that, I mean, they're pretty famous. They were uh, one of the sets of stairs that, you know, it said hundreds, but I would imagine maybe even thousands of people used mm-hmm. to escape. It was like one of the only ways out yeah. 
Uh, it was uh, along uh, World Trade Center 6, I think. So in 2008, it was uh, lowered down into the site again for its you know, final resting place there in the museum. Right. And the other big thing is the last column in the west chamber of the museum. It's going to house this. And it was returned to the site. You might remember the last column one was where it was one of the last things standing, obviously, and that's where people uh, decorated uh, this column with, with memories of their loved ones and and have you seen this person, that kind of thing. Right. They're also going to have the slurry wall in there, which was surprisingly oh, yeah. intact. They, it, was, it was an original huge wall that they built to keep the Hudson from flooding it. Yeah. And after the attacks, after the collapse of the building, this wall was just standing there. It didn't have any support, but it was still keeping the Hudson out. So they reinforced it and rebuilt it, but they took a 62 by 64 foot section of the slurry wall, and it's going to make up a significant part of the museum itself. That's huge, man. This must be enormous under there. Yeah. Because, I mean, beyond all these huge elements, they have all the, the void open space. Yep. So uh, I'm very much impressive. looking forward to going to that. Um, we I think we skipped over the Memorial Glade um, in the park above uh, the museum. There is a section called the Memorial Glade, which is going to be an open area where the, they'll have, like, ceremonies and, and things like that. And I think that's surrounded by sweet gums, which should be autumn red on September 11th, Yeah, is what they say. Nice. They plan it that way, at least. Uh, the museum itself, like the exhibits that they're going to have, they're going to have permanent exhibits of artifacts from, you know, the cleanup, from the rescue, from the attacks. Yeah. Um, personal Both stories. Pre-attack, too, I think they're going to have, yeah. obviously, some... I'm sure they're going to have some information on that. Sure, the, like the construction and all that. Yeah, and then probably the people who did it. I imagine there'll be some information there. Yeah, um, and also they're going to have some stuff on uh, the D.C. and Pittsburgh uh, losses, or not Pittsburgh, but Pennsylvania losses. But there's um, a very controversial uh, exhibit that's going to be added. It looks like it's going to be added I, as far back as... Um, or as recently as April. That's as far back as I can find any press. I, I on found this. something more recently. I think it is. It's gonna. They're uh-huh. going forward with it. Yeah. Well, um, there, there were there were a lot of um, human remains found. Right. Uh, and a lot of them were put together and said, you know, this is this person. This belonged to this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but very after a while, like the matches ran out. Um, and the medical examiner still has uh, over 9,000 pieces of human remains, and the last match was made in 2009, so they're kind of losing hope that they're ever going right. to be able to identify who they belong to. Yeah, and a lot of people are unidentified at this point. Well, a lot of the families of the 41% of the victims who haven't been identified are saying, keep trying, don't stop. Right. Medical examiner and the um, people who uh, are running the museum are saying, no, we have a better place for them. Why don't we put them in the museum? Right. And they have it planned to, to put them behind a quote from Virgil um, that says, no day shall erase you from the memory of time. And the letters themselves are going to be made of World Trade Center steel. Yeah. Um, but there, uh, you know, a lot of people find this ghoulish and ghastly, like you can't put human remains on display. And in this article in the New York Times, they interviewed a lot of curators who were like, it depends, you know, like you right. can't just put human remains in a museum. You're not supposed to do that. But if it's a, a memorial on the site of an atrocity, like Auschwitz has lots of human remains. Right. Um, the, uh, the Khmer Rouge Museum has all sorts of human remains. So this is museum-wise speaking appropriate, but really, I mean, it's up to your, 
you know, what you think is morally acceptable or not. Yeah, I think um, from what I read, most of the upset comes from the fact that they were underground in the museum and they were supposedly told that they were going to be uh, kept in a in a tomb right. in the park above ground. Right, and away from tourists. Like, yeah. this, this plan is to put them right in the exhibit. Like, here's some of the remains of the victims. Right. But there would be tour. I mean, I, I guess there would be tourists up top as well. But mm, right, I mean, I, I see their difference though. Yeah, no, there's a big difference for sure. Yeah, but I think just about everybody agrees they should be kept on the site somewhere. It's just in what capacity, right? Chuck, let's say I have a hundred bucks sitting around, and I'm like, I want to contribute to this memorial. What can I do? You can buy a cobblestone. I can. Uh, I was a little disappointed to see that the cobblestones weren't engraved. Because that's usually what you really? do. Yeah. There's a website that links your cobblestone to your name. So it's not an actual engraved cobblestone. Oh, well, huh. But uh, you can still donate 100 bucks. That'll get you a cobblestone on the path of the, the, the plaza itself. Uh, $500 will get you a cobblestone on the Memorial Glade mm-hmm. that we told you about. And 1000 bucks will get you one, a granite paver that will uh, be a walkway to the memorial itself. And that is at uh, 911memorial.org slash donations. And I imagine you can just donate, period, if you want. Sure, yeah. Or, you know, you'll get your cobblestones, but if that's not important to you, then it's probably a good, good cause, I would say. Yep. And if you're going to be in New York this September 11th, um, the September 11th memorial will officially open that day. And if you're going to be in New York September 11th, 2012, the Memorial Museum is expected to be open then. Yeah, there, there, people like are shooting video of the the waterfalls being tested and stuff out of their office window, and yeah. it's um, pretty amazing. Yeah. So um, we've got a couple of articles on the site. We have how the World Trade Center worked, just, mm-hmm. or I guess the World Trade Center is what it's called, um, and it's very comprehensive. I think Tom Harris wrote it, so you can type in World Trade Center. And that should also bring up uh, how the World Trade Center Memorial works. Yes, it's which is article. coming soon, right? It, it'll be up by the time this comes out. So, yeah, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> um, and again, if you want to learn more about the memorial, you can go to 911memorial.org, um, and you can donate there, too. And uh, is that it? I think this is our 9-11 podcast. We've been asked by a bunch of people to do one, and, uh, and unless we're inspired to actual you know, actually go over the the grisly details, I would say this will serve I that concur. purpose. You concur? Yeah. I don't know if I want to do that one. Yeah. Well, that's it. All right. You want to send us an email? We'd love to hear from you. Send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?